Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. Serious, you heard of that, Dom? Yeah, yeah we both heard of that. Sea of Tiberias, I like to call it. Anyway, Luke 5, 1 to 11. And so here is a beautiful place. Michael and Jackie have been to Jerusalem and Israel. You've been on the lake. I've been on the lake as well in a little speedboat. It, it, it went about five miles an hour, so you weren't going to get... <laughs> I remember, you know, if you go to Windsor, anybody go to Windsor? Windsor Castle, there's the River Thames, and you've got those little speedboats there. It goes as fast as one of those. <laughs> anyway, beautiful place. You, it's a beautiful place. There, don't look at this. You, you know, we like to go to um, the Lake District, don't we? Every year or so, every other year. And they've got lovely rolling hills like Ivanhoe Beacon and Dunstable Downs. And that's what it's like around the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's really a beautiful place. And uh, you will not be disappointed if you go there. You can actually hire a mountain bike and you can go around the lake in, within the day if you've got some get up and go, okay? It's, it's really lovely, and, and it's probably, I've, I've heard people say it's about, it's about 12 miles one way, and it's about 7 or 8 miles the other way. Have you heard that, Dom? Yeah, the thing is, because when you're up on top, uh, the church I was in was up on top, as you can see the empty church. It's a beautiful place, and the Lord chose this as his place to minister to people. It was his will, and uh, he chose fishermen were his first disciples anyway before we get carried away let's ask the Lord's blessing Lord we do ask your blessing on the word of God today and help us to come to a full understanding of the things that you like us to know Lord we pray this in Jesus name Amen now as usual our Lord Jesus loved to preach the sermons the sermon on the mount he loved to share the word of God. And that's why he came. He came to teach us and help us to understand the things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven, didn't he? You know that. And that's we want to hear it as well, don't we? We want to know what Jesus has to say. And it's not only us here, but in Galilee, in Judea, the people will come to press uh, around Jesus to hear what he got to say. The people wanted their family members that were not well, that were sick, that were viruses or whatever. They wanted to come to Jesus and have Jesus touch them or even to touch Jesus himself, that virtue or power will go out from him to heal people. And it worked. It really worked. But on this occasion, here we've got the crowds are pressing in. They're coming in so much so that on the shore, he was going, having to go back and back and back where more and more people are coming and he was going to end up walking into the Sea of Galilee. So he'd, he saw Peter 
with the, the ship, ships, the boats, etc. There were two boats. In this passage, it, it describes them as ships. Now, a ship and a boat, they seem to look a bit different. One's bigger than the other. But that's how it describes the boats or the ships that Peter and James and John had. You can look at some pictures, like artists, like Raphael. Raphael painted a picture of this scene. And if you've ever seen it, Don might probably get it up. The, I've, I like the painting, but the boats are too small. They're too small. They're like canoes. But here, Dominic's got a boat, a ship here. It's a bit bigger than a little canoe. And is it? Right. Thank you, Dominic. So anyway, it talks about through the passage it talks about having other people on the ships and that Peter it says we did this or we 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 put out the nets you know that's what happened and and so the Lord Jesus some of them it says it in the I might as well read it and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of them, which was Simon's, that's Simon, Bar Pe Simon Peter. And he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, did you ever notice in their day, Jesus sat down to teach the people? That's quite nice, isn't it? Here I am today standing up. I think I might get a chair up and sit down and relax like you lot. Is that okay? Put my feet up. Anyway, it says here, verse 4. Now, when he had left speaking, he, okay, we won't go to that bit at the moment. But anyway, Jesus is teaching the people and he's using a boat for a pulpit. And uh, here's our little pulpit here. But quite often the Lord Jesus was never restricted as to where and when he wanted to preach to people. He would use all sorts of places. The temple, the hills, the sea, a ship. And what's going to happen here is a miracle. And it's a well-known miracle. It's going to be what we call the miraculous catch of fish. And it's going to take them by surprise. So the story, as it goes, it speaks about the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his call to us and to Peter, James and John, his call to them to come and serve him and follow him. So let's consider, right? I read up to verse 4. Let's go a little bit farther. And it says here, now, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that their net break. 
There we go. There they were. You know, these are men. These are professional fishermen. And Jesus is not a professional fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. That was his trade from Nazareth. And here he is telling the fishermen, telling Peter what to do, where to fish. And it says here that they caught such a, a miraculous amount of fish, it says that their net was breaking. And these are the things I wanted to point out to you. This thing called brokenness is repeated in this story. And um, we, it's quite unusual because they caught the most fish that they'd ever caught before to the point where Peter had to make some sort of um, sign language to his partners, James and John, maybe they came back to their, their boat and they got in their boat, but they had to call them over. And they caught so much fish that the, the, the ships were actually sinking, or it doesn't say that they sank, but they were low in the water. Okay, they went lower and lower and lower, the more the fish that they got in the, the boat. But it says this, and that's what I want to draw your attention to. The net was breaking. They had so many fish. You know, most fishermen fish in the night time. They fish in the early hours. And this is in the daytime. The fish don't normally come to the surface in the heat of the day. But here they are. They had been fishing. They were cleaning their nets. They were washing their nets. So they had finished. They were putting their feet up. They wanted to relax. And the Lord had asked them to launch out into the deep and put their nets out for another catch. And it was quite frustrating. When you come home from work, you know, you've been away, you've gone to work at nine o'clock in the morning. And you come home at five o'clock. And then there's someone there visiting you for the first time and they're saying, uh, do you mind going back out to work again? Hey, eh? Excuse me, I've just done my work. I've just been out. I've just done a night shift. You're asking me to go out again. But Peter says, he calls, refers to the Lord as master. Now, you, there's not many people you call master at all, is there? So when the Lord Jesus comes by and he's asking you to do something, are you going to do it? You ain't going to say, no, nah, sorry, Lord, I've done my bit. I've done my shift. I'm not doing overtime for you or for anybody. But it's Jesus Christ talking to him and he's not going to put up an argument. So he's quite happy to do exactly what the Lord wants him to do. But let me draw your attention to something. If you've been at work, you know you're tired. You know you've got splinters on your fingers. You know you're sweating. You know you've done a day's work. Whether it's at night or in the daytime, you know. So you're exhausted. You're tired. And so what I'm going to say is this. Man's extremity. When you have had enough, when you've pushed, when you've been pushed to the limit, man's extremity is an opportunity for God to do something. Because it's not about you trying to do something in your own 
strength. It's about allowing God to do something through you, no matter how tired you are. So man's extremity is God's opportunity. No one, nobody, especially us men, maybe there's an element of pride within us. Maybe you women are the same. But no one likes to fail at their work. Nobody likes to come home and say, oh, you know, for example, get a window cleaner, right? You get a window cleaner, he goes out to clean windows, right? Comes home from work and his wife says, you earned any money today, love? And he says, um, no, I haven't. And she says, well, why not? And he says, well, no one wanted their windows cleaned. And she would pull her hair out and say, why did you bother going out to work if you didn't earn any money? You know, it just doesn't, like Matthew cuts trees down and things like that. Is he going to go to work unless he brings home money? He wants to know that he's got a job to go and do. Well, Peter, Peter, the professional fisherman, has been out all night and he caught nothing. That's quite embarrassing, isn't it? Professional fisherman. No one likes to be a failure at their work. It's embarrassing. So anyway, the Lord says to him, let's go out into the deep and then let's drop your nets. If they had caught nothing, how are they to think that the Lord knows where the fish are and the Lord is not even a fisherman? It's interesting, isn't it? It's like Nika is a nurse, right? Nika, would you go out with Matthew for the day and say, Matthew, you cut a tree down, by, you cut that branch, you cut that branch, then you do this, then you... Matthew, are you going to listen to her? I don't think so. <laughs> Here is a situation where a carpenter, who's now the minister, the Lord Jesus, He's telling them how to do their job. And we know the story, we know it's a miracle that they got such a large amount of fish. They put the nets out, they're pulling it in, and the, the net is breaking. Isn't that amazing? When we go to work, we want a successful day, don't we? When we go fishing, if we go fishing, we want to show that we know how to catch fish. Now, me and Mayette, we like to chill out. On a Thursday evening, guess what we're doing? We're watching Alan Sugar and The Apprentice. Aren't we at Mayette? If I don't say this properly, she's going to fire me. And that right, Mayette? Anyway, I'm not fired, I'm hired, aren't I? I watched it this Thursday. There's a young lady, her name is Francesca. And her dad likes fishing. Okay? I bet you if I asked Matthew's daughters how to cut a tree down, I bet they would tell me how to do it. Do you know how to cut a tree down? Look, she says, yeah! Right? Now, on, on The Apprentice, 
This Francesca, her dad, she's a pretty girl. She looks like she should be on the catwalk, right? But her dad likes fishing and he takes her fishing. And guess what? Alan Sugar told them that they had to come up with a recipe of fish. They had to come up with a fish, uh, what do you call it, a menu, something like that. Because there's a lot of money in fish. So Francesca and a couple of the lads went all the way to Cornwall. They got in a boat and they went out to go fishing. Guess who caught most fish? Francesca. She was embarrassing the boys because she was putting her rod out. She was catching fish like that because her dad showed her how to do it. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in for you. Here we've got a situation, the net is breaking. They're trying to get the fish in and there's so many that they call their friends, they call their partners and they come over and they get the fish in the, in the boats, in the ships and they got their ha it's happy days. They know they're going to make a lot of money. They know they're going to sell the fish. They know that they're not going to go hungry that evening because they've got a lot of fish. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What did this miracle require? It's interesting because God wants to do miracles. God wants to conduct miracles. But the miracle required other people to be involved. It wasn't something that Jesus just did. You know like Jesus healed the blind man by getting some mud and spitting on it and putting it in the man's eyes. It was all Jesus. But this miracle, it involved... Peter and the people that were working with him, it involved them working together. So this miracle required, one, it, it required action. Action when the goal seemed impossible. They'd fished all night, they'd caught nothing. But it required someone to do something. Put your boat out into the deep, put your net over here, and something will happen. It required action, but to them, they were tired. It required work, and you know work is hard, isn't it? And they were fatigued. They wanted a rest. They'd worked all night, but they had to work a little bit more. It required Faith. It required faith. I'll tell you why. Because the circumstances called for doubt. They'd fished all night. They got nothing. Who's to say that they're going to get something just because Jesus, who is not a fisherman, is telling them what to do? But anyway, it worked. Whatever the Lord said, it worked. So what did this miracle demonstrate? Well, I'll tell you, there's a few things that it demonstrates. And the first thing, that it demonstrates the, it demonstrates the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Peter called him Master. But sooner, later, actually, he's going to call him Lord. 
it shows us and demonstrates to us God's care for us, even when we've been failing at our work. It demonstrates God's care for our physical needs. Because the Lord Jesus knows that Peter and the other partners that he's got, they need to eat food for the day, don't they? They need to eat fish and chips, sausage and chips, or whatever they, they need to eat. And he wants to provide for our needs. It also demonstrates the power of Jesus over nature. Because when the Lord went out in that boat, he knew, because he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he knows all things. He knew that under the water there were fish. And he knew, you know what a shoal of fish is. He knew that he himself could get them fish to come to an area where Pete is going to be fishing. He is Lord of glory. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. I think in Genesis, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, didn't the Lord say to Adam, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the cattle of the ground? Didn't he say that? So dominion is to have power over them. And that's what this demonstrates. God has power to bless us. And his power to bless us is greater than your capacity to contain what he wants to do. God is amazing. Let's move on to my next point. And my next point is, the first point was the broken net. The second point is a broken net. Man, what happens as we read on from verse 6, I think it is. It says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that the net break. And in verse 7 it says, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other boat or the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And it says in verse 8, And Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, I am a sinful man. Now this is not an arrogant man. This is not a proud man. This is not a man who thinks that he knows better than anybody else. Here is a man who suddenly, at the flip of a, a coin, he's broken. He went from hauling in this bunch of fish, this multitude of fish, after they got them in the boat, he fell to his knees. He fell on the deck and he fell before Jesus. And he says, from being Peter, the man that knows everything, the man that puts his foot in it, He's saying, depart from me, I am a sinful person. I'm a sinful man. Isn't that a strange behaviour for someone to do that? Here you are, you've been reading the Bible for years. You've been coming to church. You've been a Christian for many years. And God decides to bless you. What do you do? You realise, oh, I did it myself. 
I did it. I did it in my own strength because I'm I'm macho and strong. Peter knows. Peter knows that Jesus ain't a fisherman. Peter knows that he's with the Lord of Glory, the Master, and he's in the the ship telling him what to do. Peter knows how to fish. He knows his trade. And suddenly they caught so many fish that but the nets were going to break. This man went from being confident to being feeble, to being like, Lord, this is not just a regular guy, this is the Lord. And he's commanded us to catch all these fish and and we call them just because he is who he says he is. It broke him. He realised he was in the presence of, of the Lord of glory. These things don't just happen at any time of the day, but it happened on this occasion, causing Peter to fall to his knees. Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Perhaps he was demonstrating a lack of faith in his own life. Perhaps he was demonstrating a lack of commitment towards God. Perhaps he'd been doing the talk, well I believe in Jehovah God and I read the Torah every day and I, I, I tell my family you must live a godly life but inside he's living a double lifestyle, he's not really that interested. He suddenly changed to the point where he had to make a confession, I'm a sinful man. I have to say his. uh This man is demonstrating an act of repentance and remorse for his behaviour as to how he he acts. We know later on in the Bible that he he swears and he curses. When people try to say, yeah, you were with that Jesus Christ, we know that he was a man who swore. And maybe that's you. But anyway, he falls to his knees and he breaks down. Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. As if to say, I'm unclean and you don't need to come into my presence because I'll contaminate you with my uncleanliness. But Peter reflects most of us. He's a man that's rash. He's a man that speaks before he thinks. He's a man that does things. He might appear to go to the synagogue every week and take his family. But deep inside, he knows he's got to deal with issues. Haven't we all? Yes. We know that later on he's got to repent because he is, like I said, he's swearing and blaspheming and and cursing. Is it just Peter? If I turn to the Revelation, chapter 2, the Lord is speaking to churches through John. And here's the church of Ephesus, right? Let me show you here, the church of Ephesus. He's saying this to this church, verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. He's talking to a church here. Remember verse 5 of chapter 2, the book of Revelation. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Here is a church who has fallen 
from a position that it had, whatever that position was. The, ch the whole church fell. What's that like saying the church became worldly? Or lukewarm? Or backslidden? Everybody? Everybody in the church backslid? Amazing. And the word of God is, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Peter was repenting. And, oh, this is interesting, isn't it? Do any of us need to repent? Do any of us need to fall to our knees like Peter and say, depart from me, Jesus? I'm a sinful person. Do we? Well, it's worth, it's worth having a day of interviewing and counselling and asking one another and saying, you need to repent. Eh? Oh, what might be the reason to repent this day? Anybody? Perhaps, it says up here, new world. Maybe you've moved into a new world mentally. Hey? Eh? Maybe you've moved into a new age. No one's on your plane, on your planet, where, you, where you're at. Maybe you're doing something different. But perhaps you become a worldly Christian. You know, you like all the rock and roll and you want, it, you want to have a buzz and do some crazy things. Maybe you become lukewarm yourself. You like swearing. You like smoking, getting drunk, going out for a party. Maybe you've been at 10 Downing Street at party gate. Eh? Maybe you've been buying... Whoever sent out those emails saying, bring your own booze, maybe you was there with your boxes of bottles of wine. I don't know. But if that's you, if that's you, that's, it's hypocritical, isn't it, to say that you're a born-again Christian and, and live like that, isn't it? I think so. Maybe, maybe you're not even a Christian. And you want the Lord, you want God to bless you when you go to work and you catch nothing and you come home with nothing, you've got empty pockets, no money. You go to school and you don't get your grades and you want God to bless you. You want God to fill your net up so that you've got abundance. You, want, you know what I mean? You want all the blessings but you don't want to do no repenting and live a godly life. You know what I mean? It, 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 it made people, it made Peter break. He caught nothing. He weren't blessed, but God blessed him. It broke him to the point where he fell on his knees and he said, Lord, go away! Go away from me! I'm sinful! I don't, don't come into my space. It's quite strong stuff. And the thing is, the Lord, the Lord wants to bless. The Lord wants to give him abundance. And the, we all want abundance, don't we? 
If we, if we try to get it without preparing our heart, it might break us. Do you know what I mean? It broke the net. It broke the man. What else can it break? Should we find out? Let's move on. Next point is this. Verse 10. Let me go back to it's Luke 5. Luke chapter 5. Where were we? I lost my place. 5. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, all that were with, and all that were with him, at the drought of fish that they had taken. And verse 10 says, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, he said this, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And verse 11 says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. What happened? What we got here, they were in partnership with Peter. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter, James and John. So they were all in partnership. And what we got here, we've got these men that were all working together in partnership, making money by catching fish. That's great business, isn't it? Fishing for business. No one, no one here running a fishing business. Imagine if we were there in the first century with the, at the Sea of Galilee, we also might have been partners with Simon. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? Going out on the ships, fishing at the Sea of Galilee. Could you imagine? Well, there wasn't any NHS there in those days. So you ladies, Annie, Nika, Jackie, you wouldn't have been nurses back in this day. You might have been wives of fishermen, Joey, and me, and Wally. We could have had a fishing company. Hey, Simon Barjona and associates, John Gilbert, Joey Ramos, yes, the world's largest fisheries, yes, bring your rod and your fishing net, we could have been the bee's knees, Billingsgate fishing market, fish blessed from your friendly big fisherman, yes, it's all about fish. We could have been part of the company, part of the partnership. And with the Lord Jesus on our side, well, we can't go wrong, can we? We could corner the fish market with Jesus. We would become millionaires, wouldn't we? The problem we would have is that we would have to buy new nets every day. Because our nets would keep breaking because the Lord would want to be creating miracles all the time that every time we threw our net out we'd have abundance of fish. They'll be breaking every day. So we'd be looking for new nets every day. So we could get somebody to be a, a net maker and they could sell their nets. 
<laughs> Let me say, one thing has changed all of this, and that is in the comment that the Lord Jesus makes. He makes a comment, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. The Lord is not interested in the fish, although he made the fish and that he knows that we need it for, for food, for our fish and chips. The Lord is interested in people. And the Lord is still interested in people. The Lord is not interested in perch. You know what perch is, don't you? Jeffro knows. He's interested in people. Hey. What, what is that? Is it? You know, I've had fish at Galilee. They call it St. Peter's fish. And it looked just like that, Dom. The Lord is not interested in soul. He's interested in souls. Isn't he? The Lord is not interested in cod. We should be interested in God. There you're catching on. Smart. Here we go. These fishermen were in a partnership. But God broke the partnership. The nets broke. Peter broke. The partnership broke. The Lord is interested in saving souls. The Lord is showing us he wants people saved. And he wants people following him. It's people that are more important to Jesus. They left. They left their boats. They left their nets. For what? For the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we got, to round things up, we got a picture of surrender. He wanted them to surrender what they were doing to follow him. And although they wanted to make a living for their family, he wanted them to come to him so that he can catch men. And although you've all got jobs, you've all got responsibilities, you've all got things to do, the Lord wants to do it even today to get you to reach out to save souls. What have you? What have you got to leave behind in order to surrender to the Lord Jesus? What are you yourself, if you were in this position of being like Peter, what have you got to leave behind? Maybe there's a favourite TV programme that is ungodly and the Lord wants you to turn it over or switch it off. Maybe you don't talk properly. Maybe you like swearing, cursing, whatever. And that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants you to leave that behind. Maybe there's relationships Maybe there's a particular person that you're friends with who pulls you down. My wife, Mayette, calls me, doesn't call me, she's, she tells me about this thing called crab mentality. 
you get a load of crabs, you put them in a bot in a bucket, and if you haven't watched crabs that are in a bucket, they if one tries to get out, they walk sideways, don't they? They try to get out by climbing up. The other ones pull them down. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe you've got people in your life, they pull you down. They ain't helping you up. They're pulling you down. And the Lord might be saying, let it go. You don't need that. Because it's not going to help you. What are you going to leave behind to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let the Lord, this is the, the blessing and this is the reward. Let the Lord Jesus Christ make you a fisher of men. This is his will for your life. Do you like that? Do you want that? Let's close and just ask God's blessing and direction on our lives. Lord, we do pray to you. We do thank you for the, the message relating to Peter, Lord. And we do ask, Lord, that you could help us to understand in our own lives what it is you want us to do. You know, how can we, like Peter, serve you can we, we take you on board as if to take you into our hearts and into our lives like Peter took you into his life? You change the direction. You change the course. You change the outcome of his life. When he grew old, when he uh, became an older man, he was not a fisherman. He was an apostle. He was a, a preacher. He was part of the pillar of the church and and I don't know what you want for each and every one of us, Lord, but may, may you help us to make ourselves available for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.